Preeti Chipper. And I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tar Valinor Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. The Wheel of Time weaves the pattern of the ages, and lives are the threads it weaves. No one can tell how the thread of his own life will be woven into the pattern, or how the thread of a people will be woven. And that is Loyal talking to Rand. And I picked that quote because I am so fucking excited that Loyal is finally yes! on my page. So we will be reading the books. Well, rereading, actually, for both of us uh, in advance of the TV show adaptations release. And we're going to be talking about our favorite and not so favorite moments and digging into all things Wheel of Time. And as you may have realized from the quote that Jen just said, we are reading chapters 30... 1 to 40 today. Whew, 31 to 40. And as (laughs) always, like, we'll have our pre-discussion in just a second, but just so much happens. (laughs) It's so jam-packed. It's so jam-packed. But, uh, all right, I'm dying to know. There's there's one note under our pre-discussion notes, and it's all caps, and it says, I have a complaint, and I am dying to know what that means. (laughs) Yeah, Preeti did not write that. That was all me. Okay, so... We talked about in a previous episode how I bought the fancy Wheel of Time companion. Yes. And so this is related, actually, to the quote I picked to open the show. I was looking up, because you know, pronunciation or whatever. And I was like, oh, let me look up how I'm actually supposed to say Loyal's name. Like, maybe it's something else. And so I'm looking in the back of the eye of the world, and it's not listed in there. Like, he just doesn't even have an entry. Yeah, which is weird. Like what the what he's so important he's literally not in here so like okir is not in here either for the record so this is the first part of my complaint the second part of my complaint i was like oh well i'll just look it up in my fancy schmancy wheel of time companion volume and i open it up only to discover that there are zero pronunciation notes in that whole thing (laughs) there's not a single one not one and I was like, what? You know what? Because every pronunciation is valid. <laughs> well, that's, this is what I've decided, actually, is that it it officially doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> we are all now, we have like a, we have a clear field to pronounce things however the hell we yep. want to. Because, I mean, it's not consistent. Like, the number of things that get, like, Gawain gets. Or Gowan, or however the hell you were supposed See? to say, gets an entry in here, but like loyal doesn't. I don't understand. That's don't absurd. Understand. That's absurd. absurd. Loyal it's... is so important. I know. Like, what? I mean, and, and, and we'll get to that importance in the next episode. And because, like, like literally, know. the word "lurk" has an entry in here with a pronunciation note. Why? What? Why? Is, why does anybody need help pronouncing the word "lurk"? But they don't give me an entry for loyal. Like this is so inconsistent it annoys me it annoys the completist in me and i'm not actually much of a completist but this is very annoying that's it's just rude like it's it's just rude yeah so that's my complaint uh yeah because loyal's the best as we'll get to in this discussion um first okay so i guess let's kick this off uh i really 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 love this this section a lot like a whole lot yes cosine all of the cosine i also thought it was a very cruel spot like we were just going in sort of numbery order here like we didn't look at it ahead of time to see where chapter 40 cuts off and i was like oh my god it's such a good end 
of all the moment no it's like how can i not keep reading at that point like there's such there it's like such a moment where you're like oh i have to read what happens next um well as we mentioned we didn't (laughs) i I listen y'all i've been trying but my willpower is not up to snuff um (laughs) we're only we are only going to talk about things that happened in chapters 31 through 40 in today's episode we have at least enough willpower for that Yes, and and so the the bulk of these chapters are taken up by Rand and Matt kind of on the run, which I, I just, it's so good. Everything about it is so good. Like the tension, the variety of people they come across, both on the good side and the bad, the bad side, the characterizations and the growth of character, like everything about it is good. I agree. I also think I figured out a POV rule that Jordan has okay, for at least this book. I'll be curious to see if it holds true for the other books. But the rule appears to be that if you are with Rand, you don't get your own POV. Because Matt is pretty much, he's one of the only characters out of like the main ones who doesn't get a POV chapter. I mean, we don't get an Aguin POV chapter yet anyway. Um, but, like, she's with Perrin, and we get a Perrin chapter. We get a Nynaeve, who's with Moiraine and Lan, and, like, we don't get Moiraine and Lan. Yeah, it's tears. So, like, but there's not a single Matt POV chapter. I know. It's it's a huge bummer. <laughs> well, I'm not sad about it, because I still hate <laughs> but, him. But he's so good in these chapters. Like, I, I this is the, yeah, I think it's... this is the beginning of really liking him as a character. Like, I know he goes... He'll go, you know, in whatever direction he goes in. But in this section, like, he's he has this horrible thing happening to him. And he's trying so hard. I think. Is he? <laughs> Jen yeah, is making no, a face. I, <laughs> it's hard because I kept going. And so now, like, my, no! my thoughts about Matt. I know, are colored by what I know happens next. But it's, yeah, I'm still annoyed by him. I'm not going to lie. I'm still annoyed by him. I am mildly no I'm not less annoyed especially once they get to Camelin and he's just like but I know it's bad I know it's not a hundred percent his fault like clearly something has gone wrong here like he is messed up he's messed up something external is acting on him but I just don't find him all that likable the only I would take it back there was a very likable moment where we're like jumping all over the place here but there's a very likable moment where after they have that horrible run-in with the dark friends at the Four Kings. Yes. Um, and he's, like, taking care of Rand. He's yes! actually taking care of Rand. That was a good moment. You get, I agree. That was a good moment. Because that's that's to me, is the real Matt. It, it's, you see him trying and, and readjusting when Rand points the issues out. He's trying to get to where he needs to be. Like, you'll have moments where he says something and Rand will be like, what the fuck? And Matt will be like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I just, this is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I appreciate that. But so let's, I guess let's kind of go yeah. in chron- like chronological yeah, order. Go back. Let's go back. Although last, this is what I was talking about last week when I was talking about, I got mixed up. This is the nonlinear piece that I was talking about in terms of time, because that happens in this section. Oh, I think it's you're such right. A, it's I, such a strange thing because yeah. it's like the only time it happens, and it's in the middle of the book, and you're like, "Why did you? Why did you decide to do this?" <laughs> like, 
like it's so strange but so it's it starts and you know matt and rand are on the run and they have no money and they're tired and they're hungry and it it kicks off with them kind of realizing that they can use the skills that um uh tom had taught them to get food and stay at inns as they're traveling and i love this idea oh my gosh me too i yeah i adore that they're like the little traveling you know show side show it's so and rand is like gonna play the flute for everybody like it's so precious it's so precious it's so cute matt's gonna juggle (laughs) (laughs) and everyone's so excited and like this is kind of one of those wonderful like world building moments where where Jordan focuses on like the regionality of everything and and uh how he makes a note to be like songs that Rand knows by one name or known by another name and it's just I just think it's such a strong and and just a lovely commitment to detail and really making you feel like this is a massive space that these kids exist in and a lived in space yes like it's it's very like sometimes it's grimy and sometimes it's shiny and sometimes it's very mundane and like detail-y and sometimes it's big and grand and sweeping and that's you know that is that's the good world building stuff um I guess I want to say at this point that we're gonna get real into the music part of these chapters with a special guest so stay tuned for that in the next episode. Um, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, no, I agree. It is some of my favorite Rand and Matt writing, certainly, is how all of, like you said, all of the different people they meet and all of the, you know, the the different sort of interactions they have and like not all farmers are the same and not all you know good wives or whatever they're called they're the same and they you know they but they're actually starting to understand like how to move through this world in a way that like is a little more open-minded I think like they're starting to lose some of their own can they're less convinced of their own opinions about the people they're interacting Mm -hmm. with yeah. yeah, I agree. It it shows like a like we were saying like a wide variety of perspective, which is really nice. I also enjoy kind of, you know, it's a lot of rand internalism, which yeah. as the books go on, you know, it's a lot of rand, but here I this is I think one of my favorite aspects of rand where he it is just this like young guy who is in an extraordinary circumstance and is terrified but also super frustrated like early on he's so angry about the loss of time he's so Mm -hmm. angry about losing these hours and I just love how Jordan describes it in that way and describes Rand's frustrations in that way because it feels like such like a like of course like he's so worried about getting ahead like this is how he as a character would react and it just it makes him feel very specific as opposed to him being upset. It's not just that they're being chased. It's not just right. it's literally like he's breaking it down to when we lose in, we lose this hour, they gain an hour. And it's like this like competition in a very tense way. And it adds to the, to the suspense as you're reading. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And, and then 
they do have, like, there are these small things that happen to them, right? Like, they meet some people who are going to help them. They meet some people who are not. He, like, you know, there's Elsa Grinwell. Who's, oh, like, I love it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, if only Perrin were here. <laughs> the, the commitment to the Rand and Perrin girls bit is incredible. Like, it is, it's, it's such a great running joke. It's just constant. And you're like, you really just, this is the joke. <laughs> <laughs> the one joke. Oh, it's so good. And then you have this huge plot moment at the Four Kings oh, where they're so cornered. So and like first it's just like they're going to get robbed. And then it's like, no, dark friends are coming for them and they're trapped and there's no way out. And then there's lightning and explosions and like everything goes crazy. But that whole section at the Four Kings is so good because like you said, just the building of it because it starts with like, this horrible innkeeper right like it starts with this horrible innkeeper who is horrible for so many reasons like violence against women and like being a thief and and, mm -hmm. like all those things um and to the to the two bouncers that he has with him the like hulking like very like clearly there you're like oh there's gonna be something bad that happens and then of course that dark friend who shows up and and all the while you know Rand is freaking out but you don't know like what Matt is noticing and it's it's just so such a good thing and like good good stream of plot right Mm -hmm. and then when they get to the Mm -hmm. attic room where they're like well we know they're gonna try to rob us so we have to try to figure out how to get out of here without being robbed and then like you said surprise that's actually not the thing that you should be worried about because that that whole sequence where the dark friend shows up, and I I should have written his name down, but I just Howl Goad. There it is, Howl Goad. Um, like I love his introduction, where he just sits at the table and just kind of like looks at them, like I know you, I yeah. know you, I know how this is gonna work out for us. I had this moment where I was trying to remember, like, it's been a really long time since I read these, and I was like, is it the guy from Shadar Logos come back? Like, I had this moment where I was like, oh, is it this again? And then I was like, oh, my God, he's a whole new horrifying thing. Um, and I do love how, I to me, that's just another example of, like, Jordan, like, keeping us guessing. It's like, what is this new threat? Like, do we already know it? Is it just in a new form? Is it a new one? Like, what is gonna happen next it's very yeah it's like oh very edgy and tense and oh my god well so then for them. then they're in the attic and it's raining and they can't get the bars off the it's window not an attic. i just have to point out it's not they're on the ground floor so it can't be an attic right Wasn't it? oh no i'm mixing it up with the yeah, um, yeah. the other room sorry they're on the ground floor um thank you i'm mixing it You're up welcome. with the room that they stay in in camlin <laughs> Yes. Which is in the attic. It is. <laughs> because I skimmed these chapters 20 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> um, this is what happens when you read ahead, folks. <laughs> sorry, yeah. <laughs> they're in the storeroom in this one. That, like, That's right. That weird misused storeroom. But they can't get the bars off the window, and it's like lightning and thunder and all this stuff. And then that bright flash of light, which is clearly associated with Rand in some fashion <laughs> that we are not yet clear about because it's – it's like the building of him being like, no way out. We have to find a way out. No way out. We have to find a way out. And then there's this brilliant flash of light. And of course, it was some some kind of explosion. And they get out. Uh, and that the imagery of the uh, Dark Friends men, like, lying on the ground, 
with like their eyes open, clearly yeah. dead, and Matt not realizing it, Rand having to deal with this while they're just trying to get away. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so much. It's so much. Yeah, it's really, it's really intense. Uh, because there's this, and one, then you like, get. Well, oh, I just want to point out this like one. This is what I love so much about Robert Jordan is that he has these like really brilliant moments in the not just of these like wider plot building kind of things but there's that part where the lamp falls over just after the flash of light and Rand it's with a feeling of woozy unreality he stood the lamp up it seemed the most important thing in the world was making sure it did not break and you're just like oh it's so good (laughs) (laughs) it like makes me mad it's so good (laughs) This is where I really can tell the difference uh, in our approaches because, like, you're coming at it from a writer perspective, and, like, you're such a better close reader than I am. Like, I, even when I'm rereading and, like, actually paying attention and skimming, and, like, I remember that now you that you say it, but, like, I think I just, I think what happens to me when I read is I receive the experience of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I remember how good that section felt, but I don't know that I would have like pinpointed like, and that's the sentence that does the thing. <gasps> like you're so good at finding those. <laughs> so interesting. It's, it's because so interesting. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair. It's because I've been working on copy edits all day oh, today God. and I'm like, God damn, this guy's so good at this. <laughs> how dare you, Robert How Jordan. dare you, Robert Jordan. <laughs> it's so true though. Um, yeah, it's really his attention to detail, like detail that matters Mm -hmm. in this first book just continues to be so spot on and so effective. It's so effective. It's so effective. But then, so this is where we hit this like very weird nonlinear moment in the book. (laughs) Why? Like it's, it kicks off with them clearly like break of time after this event like just I don't know uh, the this like big thing happens and then all of a sudden we fast forward and they're sitting on a cart with this guy just like very very much closer to Camlin than they were right Mm -hmm. and so my only thought process is is like Jordan needed to break the tension Mm. right and then start building it again from from a new point because I guess after this like lightning thing comes out and they get out all there is is to keep that tension growing until they're safe but this right. way you can break it and we know they're going to be okay so it's no longer that right. tense of an experience reading the, the following sequence <clears throat> Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, uh, but that makes sense to me. I will, I will buy that explanation. Right, because I can't think of another reason why all of a sudden, what, uh, four hundred and eighty-seven pages into this what? book, you suddenly switch up the notion of timeline and linear storytelling. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point, and like they are are having further adventures like they run into like two different dark friends in two different situations they have to escape again like it's not it's true though it's not nearly as dramatic when we know Um, they're gonna be fine but we know they're gonna be okay because now they're on this cart um and then they are let's see 
Yeah, More so they get to the cart and then it cuts back to right. them leaving the um Right. The and dancing cartman. Right. And Matt's eyes are all blown out and Rand starts to get sick and like And Matt has to take to... care of him. Matt has to take care of him. <laughs> Matt but finally this... gets to do something oh. nice. Right, but first there is this moment because Matt can't see and they're they're walking in the rain and he's like, Rand, you won't leave me, will you, if I can't oh. keep up? And Rand's like, no, I won't leave you ever. Bro. <laughs> My heart. <laughs> These poor babies. <laughs> oh, poor fictional babies. I know. Oh, and then there's this like, so Rand has this dream where uh, he sees Goat again in this like very disgusting sort of like falling apart kind of way and Balzaman comes back kind of goading him into like no no <laughs> you're mine right I got you don't worry and so but it is still and maybe that's why actually because with by cutting the tension and us knowing that at least physically they're going to be okay, it allows the tension to go back to the the overarching story mm. of Balzaman targeting uh, Rand and Matt. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. It's, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because then we do have, we have all of these fucked up dreams and then you have Rand like trying to, be sick on the road and Matt trying to like help out when he can't see and it's all very stressful again and then we have the terrible dreams but like and, yeah. go ahead go ahead no, no. you well because it's it's I do want to make it a point of like we we mentioned earlier this like variety of people that we see you see these like far these like variations of good where you have you know this farmer who picked them up and is like yes absolutely like the farmers who took them in and then you have this farmer who's like I want to be a good man but my family but here are some scars because that's what I can give you and I you know I wish I was better and so you have these like kind of scope of goodness and, mm-hmm. and of course they're they're doing what they can and so that is great but then you also have the scope of the dark friend where you have everyone from this dude at the fort cart at the cartman or whatever the name of that thing is um and you have this like idiot kid Pater who shows up and like sits down at their table and is like clearly like very, very like scraping the bottom of the barrel, right? He's new here. (laughs) Uh, But then there's this woman, which I really love that sequence where Rand is very sick in the barn and Matt has to kind of handle this woman, this dark friend who shows up. And this is where I think, it's not a failure of the POV, it's just something where I wish we had been able to kind of see this from Matt's perspective because a lot of it is Matt is Rand just having to be like, I'm so weak. There's not much I can do about this. And he's so muddled in his thoughts. Whereas if we had had Matt's perspective, we might've gotten a clearer picture. And I don't know. I kind of just wish we had been able to see it from someone who was a little more clear headed in that (laughs) moment. That's fair. Well, and it's a good point because it, Matt is finally getting to, be proactive in a way right. instead of just reactive and <clears throat> excuse me it would have been interesting to see like that would have been a great moment for us to be inside of his head to see like him processing okay my role has been reversed like mm-hmm. I have been sort of the one following along and like letting Rand deal with all this stuff and now I have to like do this thing but I wonder 
Well, can I wonder this out loud? No, I can't. Okay, I can't wonder it out loud. Well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll wonder next episode about the thing I almost just said. But it is an interesting choice. It's an interesting choice not to give us any Matt POV during this time. It is. And I'm, I, it, I'm having a theory now about this, but I have to save it. I have to save it. I can't wait to hear the theory next <laughs> in, in two weeks. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I will say I think it where I would have appreciated it is I think it would give us more uh, empathy for him in <clears throat> with his issues in Camlin because we're seeing everything through Rand's perspective, which Rand is like – scared but he's being pretty level-headed about his fear like he's yeah. trying to be thoughtful he's trying to be cautious but he's also trying to weigh it against the necessity of their circumstance right yeah matt we are clearly watching like go more and more off the deep end like he's shifty he's you know but he's trying not to be as we said but he's suspicious of everyone he's suspicious of everyone and this would have been a great moment for that suspicion had it been had we been on the internal to see how it breaks him a little bit, to see yeah. how it's him being like, I knew it. I knew that I, I knew that I am right in the way that we're right. doing things, you know, versus yeah. seeing it all from Rand's perspective. So then when Matt really gets pushed over the edge and really becomes this like kind of recluse and, and angry and just like negative person in Camlin, it, it make, it might, might not be quite so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. But yeah, and then they do. They finally make it to Camlin, which yeah. is like was not guaranteed, right? Like there's no guarantees, it feels like. I mean, we know that this book is like 13, the series is 13 books long. So like, obviously they have to make it through this. But like, if you're reading this for the first time, especially like, you don't know that they're going to make it. Like, you really don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to get derailed? Are they going to get captured? Are they going to get taken somewhere else? But they're like spending all this time trying to get to this one spot. And they actually make it to Camlin. And I love how Rand is like, oh, and I thought Barillon was this. I know. Like, <laughs> oh, like, poor, oh, yeah. poor country boys. Yeah. <laughs> Not in Kansas anymore. Like, he's like, he really does have much better perspective on his own provincialism. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. And I love, too, how we get this new dimension on um, the political situation with the sword wrapping, right? Like, he, they get into the city and they notice that all of the people, all the people with swords, have them wrapped either with red or white cloth. And, like, he goes to the oh, store. No, like... I, I love this part. He goes to the store and he's like, well, the red is cheaper, so I'll buy that. I like, know, what you me. idiot! He doesn't ask anybody what it means. Like, he just... Which is so frustrating because we get right before they make it to Camelon, they've taken a they've taken a ride with this this guy who um, they kind of took a chance on based on the creepy dark friend conversation they saw him having. Uh, but they no, get a ride... He, he, like, he didn't have the conversation. No, it was about... He was overhearing. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he had yeah, the conversation... Yeah. With the guy who had the conversation yes. with the the fade, the creepy dark friend guy, yeah. And so that guy gives them like intensive exposition about the yeah. history of the of the monarchy of Camlin, which is amazing. Hundred percent. Like you get all this exposition about Marquise and what's so going dumb. on, and like the the potentially dead queen that some people think is still alive and is the rightful queen, and all this stuff. And then they get to Camlin and they ask no questions. No. <laughs> They're just like, hmm, 
let's just do this thing. We don't know what it means. It's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine because everything else has been fine. Uh, so yeah, so he buys the red cloth and wraps the sword because he's trying to hide the heron mark and like blend in. LOL. Um, I know. <laughs> and then they finally, then they find out that it you're like taking a political stance. Like if you buy the red cloth, it means that you're supporting the queen. And if you buy the white cloth, then you are supporting the white cloaks who are like attempting to like, basically mm. it seems like occupy Camlin. It's not, not my favorite. No. No, they're still hot. They're still the fucking worst. They're still the um, fucking worst. But, but Rand, Rand luckily you. buys a red, <laughs> a, a red <laughs> ribbon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just love that. Also, it didn't occur to him to like wrap the hair and marked blade prior to seeing how other people wrap their sword handles. Like, I love that he just didn't think about it. I guess he's, he's a little bit clueless. He's a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but I do appreciate how it gives us this, like, very sort of concrete manifestation of the bigger, much bigger political tensions yes. that are going on and the way that they're impacting, like, the day-to-day lives of people. Um, so, yeah, I, and then, oh, uh, and then they, like, get to the Queen's Blessing, right? The Queen's Blessing? Yeah, yeah, they get to the Queen's Blessing, which is where well, Tom. Master Gill and Tom was going to send them to, and they get, yeah, they get, they invoke Tom and they get like taken care of and you're like somebody's being nice to them I know (laughs) but you do have to have this again this like slight tension of not just not just because Matt is that thinks everyone's shady as hell but because Master Gill like I love this moment where Master Gill is like I'll believe Tom's dead when I see his corpse which (laughs) you're like damn Tom's Tom's pretty scrappy for a glee man I guess (laughs) Um, and then you find out he's not just a glee man right he's not just a glee man yeah so Master Gill gives them this great there's a lot of expositioning happening in these in this in these chapters yeah. from like people telling stories, which is fine. Right. Um but you get to hear this this history that Tom had with the freaking queen. Oh uh, yeah, NBD. <laughs> like, like you do. So, sorry. Just I had an affair with the queen. <laughs> I didn't think it was worth mentioning like I you know no big also I love the idea of like Tom who has sort of been this father figure with his like white mustache as being this like actually debonair kind of like ladies man with a queen like I love that yeah and he's like a freaking court bard like he's like we always knew he was like probably like better than what he was doing but we didn't know how much better but like he was like a royal court bard like that's that's a pretty far cry from a village gleeman. So yeah, like the the fuck were you doing in Two Rivers? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but now we know he's hiding from the queen's guard because he ran out on a queen, and that is not a thing that you can do without repercussions. It's it's also where we learn of some of the, maybe the, the frustration and fear of the queen's relationship to an Aes Sedai with Aleda, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. there's this moment where Rand is like, well, just go to Aleda and she'll take us to Tarvelin because all Aes Sedai and blah, blah, blah. And then right. he's like, well, <laughs> maybe <laughs> I won't. And you you see, I love the moment where um, the guy who is taking them to Camlin says, you know, I don't think that they need to have this partnership that's been going on for 3,000 <laughs> years. <laughs> I love how 
really know the length of like I don't know what happened what like what's been going on for three thousand years like I I was more like I understand if people are mad because it's been like 25 years or something (laughs) three how have you been mad for three thousand years about anything oh they're like it's not just the ogier have like who have a really distorted sense of what time is and how time works in these books um well speaking of the ogier Nope. Oh, wait, we didn't. We're not there yet because before we meet Loyal, we go to Nynaeve and the rescue mission to free Perrin and Egwene from the White Cloaks, and she gets to be a total badass, right? Chapter no. 37. No, he meets, Lo- he meets Loyal before that. Oh, you're right. He does. My bad. I do see that now. <laughs> anyway, okay. Rewind. So Loyal. Sp- speaking of Ogier. <laughs> I gave a perfect segue and then I ruined it. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, Loyal is the best. Loyal is great because I love I love their interaction. I, so Rand yeah. Rand asks for somewhere to wait that is not you know wherever he's standing at that moment, and this like serving girl is like go to the library. So he goes like, to the library. Think to mention BT Dubs. <laughs> By the way, there there's there's someone in there that I yeah. you know we we don't see a lot of them, but perhaps right. I should tell you no. First, no. I did love I love Rand getting up there and immediately being like, look at all these books. Like he's Belle and Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> and then loyal like he, he sees loyal and and rand i god bless rand in this segment he's trying so hard not to offend once he realizes <laughs> that loyal is not a trollic he's like what can i what are you no that's not the right thing to that's say not right. <laughs> he repeats the greeting back to him because it sounds right i'm like oh my god yes he's such a good kid he's such a good kid it's so sweet it's so sweet and i love how loyal is like actually also just like a teenager basically like ran away from home like he literally was like well i asked if i could go and ran was like it's nice that they said yes and he was like yeah (laughs) i mean they were gonna say yes eventually but i figured why wait like i just could go and but his version of like being a kid like a teenager on the run is so it's so adorable i mean it's entish really more than anything else like these are like to me the ogier are like kind of like fanfic of the ents um yes 100 percent. yeah and like but i love them i think they're i i might even like them a little bit better than the ents because they're cuddlier i love them way more than the ents like loyal absolutely is better than tree beard (laughs) (laughs) that no contest (laughs) i don't know i don't know if i would I don't know. I don't know if I can. I, they might be equal in my love, but if we didn't ever get to meet a teenage ent. Perhaps if well, we met right. a teenage ent, I would true. my tune would be different. But you know, loyal is so just <laughs> funny and sweet, and he wants so badly to like be a part of the story. And you know, I love when he's like, "I well, you're Taverin, and I want to party with you." Yes. <laughs> It's like I'm I'm inviting myself along. I love it. <laughs> it is also I think like the first time that Rand gets to hear about what Taverin is and and you know Rand has spent thus far the entire book kind of saying that like no I'm not that I'm not that and and it kind of 
sort of almost culminates a little bit here in these chapters of him being like, I'm not that thing. I'm a shepherd. <laughs> I, yeah. And he also gets mistaken for, uh, well, he doesn't know that Loyal is specifically referring to the Aiel, but he does get mistaken for an Aiel man. Um, and like, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Loyal's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, my bad. Like, it's so cute. I, um, well, yeah, because Loyal's like, are you... <laughs> Loyal essentially says the thing, and then Rand's like, what are you talking about? Loyal's like, are you fucking with me? Right, <laughs> like, is like, that... Are you making fun of are me? You, are you making fun of me? He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Things, I guess things change. Uh, but yeah, it's really... It's really... Oh, it's such a great interaction. And, like, I will say also that there have not been that many moments of levity in the yes. book to this point. And, like, loyal of all the people to bring comedic relief, like, we get loyal. Like, it's so great. It's so perfect. But, like, it really is. I have this problem a lot with media, whereas if it's just, if they never crack a joke, like, if it's just too relentlessly grim, no matter how good the acting is or the writing is or the world building is, like, I'm not going to keep going. No, you need... I just, I, yeah, I need those moments of lightness to balance it out. Otherwise, I can just get too bogged down. And, like, it's such a welcome... Because, you know, things have been rough. Like, there's dark friends everywhere. Matt is losing his goddamn mind. Like, Rand is so confused and, like, they're so stressed out and people are kidnapped and the White Cloaks are the worst and, like, everything's the worst. And then you get Loyal, who's, like, sort of sweet and bumbling and, like, very smart, but in this, like, very odd way that doesn't quite fit in with everybody else and he's just so excellent he's so excellent it's it's a really nice and and I think it speaks to who he's supposed to be in the book considering like four minutes after meeting him Rand is like let me tell you the truth about everything that I've gone through yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> loyal is just this this guy who clearly like ha- Rand has a good instinct about like not that Rand's instincts have always been right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he has this good instinct and he finds himself telling him the story and, and having a very much needed confidant while his yeah. friend is going through something where he cannot be that person. He cannot have a rational conversation with Rand about this like horrible thing that they've gone through. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, it was so just good. really, really nice to see. Um, And now, I think, is where we go to... The big rescue! The big big rescue scene. Um, And we're back. God, I I love everything about this, dude. This this whole... (laughs) These chapters are just good. Like, I feel like, you know, last time we had some hang-ups. There was some stuff we wanted to talk about. This time, it's like, universally, there was, like, very little I didn't like in these chapters. And so the rescue scene... With Lan and Nave and uh, Moiraine is just as usual great <laughs> because Nineve you put Nineve and Lan in any situation in which Nineve has to prove that she's better, <laughs> it's the best. It is the best. It's so good, and he's like constantly complimenting her in a way that she cannot accept. It's yes. delightful. It's delightful. <sighs> she's like, oh yeah, there's this great line. At the end, it's so funny. Stalking rabbits was one thing. Oh, it's on page 560. Stalking rabbits was one thing. Guards, though, with spears and swords. So he thinks I'm good, does he? 
I'll do it. Like, she's, like, she's, like, mad that he thinks that she's good enough to, like, do this dangerous, risky <laughs> thing. And she's, like, I'll show him. It's, like, you know, he's, he's literally saying, you don't have to show him. Like, he believes. She's, like, I'll show that a- asshole. Like, it's, like, you're not. It's just so funny. Oh, it is really good. And I, I, I also like that we get to watch her like do the thing right like we watch her and and in all the tension and all the suspense is about her journey of like uh doing this thing with the horses and then she finds bella it's so great oh it's so good and she has this moment it's so talk about details that really make it real like she's so like there's this moment where she's like she has done i think it's like three of the four you know she's loosened the the ropes on three of the four horse paddocks or whatever and she's like no one would blame me if I didn't do that last one like no one would even notice if I didn't do that last one and she's like so afraid and it's so dangerous and she's just like but then she does it like she like gets herself in in the headspace where she can move again and it's she does but it is very much about Lan yeah because she says she could imagine Lan's eyes when he heard what she had done. There would be no accusation in them. Her reasoning was sound, and he would not expect any more of her. She was a wisdom, not a bloody great invincible warder who could make himself all but invisible. Joss said she moved to the last picket line. <laughs> She's like, I will fucking show him if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> so good. Oh, it's so good. And then she finds Bella, which is amazing. And then she gets, like, mad about how she has the power. Because, it's great. Because, because yeah, why not? She's, you know, it's just so freaking good. And I was, I'm so relieved, too. Oh, and then, actually, this is interesting because you do get um, a little bit of time jumpiness here, too, because you get all these different perspectives. Like, you get Nynaeve's perspective. Of what's going of, like, on. Doing the thing. And then you get Perrin, which is, like, rewound a little bit. Um, ugh, and his gross interactions with child buyer. Ugh. I just, I almost feel like uh, Jordan on what I, I like, I appreciate that it seems like he understands that he doesn't need to show us excessive torture or excessive, yeah. like, it's like a few pages and we yeah. get what we need out of it, which is that they have been treated very badly that they are despondent, that they don't know what they're going to do, and that this guy is a garbage person, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a psychopath. He's yeah. a psychopath. Like, uh, yeah. And so yeah. it's it's great that it's only a few pages that we have to deal with it before Lan shows up and yeah. saves them, right? Yep. Because the tension and suspense is not neat, is not based on the horrible thing they're going on, going through or whatever, like – it's like he's he's weighing the bad things well, I think. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's so clear, I think, the way that he depicts it, what they have been dealing with, that, like, I, I think this is a mistake a lot of people make. You don't need to give us any more than that for us to feel mm-hmm. the weight of that, like, torture and abuse. Like, it's it's plain. We got it. Like, like anything more just becomes maybe like exploitative or it's just unnecessary at the very least um and like i personally don't need any torture porn nope in my books like i don't need it don't need it (laughs) let's move it right (laughs) along uh and then we do we get we get uh uh we get and then oh and then lan like notices about the wolves 
Well, no, no, no. Before we get there, though, there's uh, there's this moment where Nenave hasn't returned. And oh, they, yeah. they don't know, they don't know if she's going to make it. And Lan is clearly affected by this. And Moiraine is like, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Right? And You're this right. is this is all from Perrin's perspective, which is great. Because Perrin is like, I do not understand what's happening right now. <laughs> so I when the name no shows up and Lan... I love the moment where Perrin watches that Lan catches her arm and yeah. Nave like laughs a little bit. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like, Perrin is like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Perrin there. doesn't like, know what's happening. We know that Nave just feels like so good. Yeah, just yeah. so good. And 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 we also know that Lan is probably just like really relieved. Yeah. that she's okay. <laughs> His heart and eyes are just like dropping out of his skull. Uh, it's so good. Oh, and actually, that moment we also when Moiraine is like, no, 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 you have to stay here. Um, we get like this like string of titles. She yes, says all of these things about Lan, and Perrin is like, he's who is he? Like what? And you start to get these these hints about uh, Lan's backstory, which is so exciting. It's so exciting. Yeah, because we saw Min gave us that one image to Rand mm. like mm. 500 pages ago yeah. <laughs> of the tower, right? Or the yeah. towers, whatever. And so now Moiraine says like the whole thing of Lord of the Seven Towers, what of the oath of the di- <laughs> diadem? Diadem. <laughs> Diadem. Thank you, diademed, diademed, <laughs> battle, Lord of the Malkieri, and yeah. Baron's like, what? <laughs> oh man, oh, there's so much Baron doesn't know in this scene. It's great, um, but yeah. So then, so then the wolves like become apparent to Lan, who is like not a demon. Well, it's, it's the wolves first become apparent to to Moiraine. Because yeah. Nave is oh, trying right. to, like, take care of Perrin and, and where he's hurt. Mm-hmm. And she notices his eyes. And Moiraine comes over. And she doesn't say it explicitly. But I do really like the moment where Nenev, like, is he going to be okay? Is this is this going to hurt him? And Moiraine right. is, says, at least I can say it will not harm him directly. <laughs> like, thanks, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such an Aes Sedai answer. It's like, well, I'm not going to tell you the truth about this, but I'm not going to lie to you necessarily. Like, Yeah, and then Lan comes over and talks to him, and, yeah. and he knows what he is, and he says that Elias used to be a warder, which is yes. kind of a big deal. Um, kind and of a big deal. <laughs> we get like a little bit more information for Perrin about Tarvalid and about the Aes Sedai and the various factions and how... You can't necessarily treat them as one. Right. Yeah. And, like, Perrin is so desperate for reassurance. He's like, I'm not a dark friend, right? Because, you know, the way that, especially I think even with the White Cloaks um, treating him the way that he is, and, like, even though he's been told that wolves are not creatures of the darkness, there is this idea that they are. Mm -hmm. And so he is just desperate for reassurance. Like, I'm not... This doesn't make me bad, right? Like, this is not... This doesn't make me bad. <laughs> and Lan's like... Lan is like, oh, uh, We don't know, man. <laughs> we know that the Perfect. dark one is coming. <laughs> <laughs> the 
poor Thanks, buddy. Uh, all right, and but, now <laughs> we then we we go back to Rand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which okay, I I think I think the most important part of this like next bit is basically that Rand is being chased intensely by a beggar through the streets oh. of Camlin, which trying to see Logan. Trying to see Logan. He's trying to see Logan. No, because the end of it is I truly, truly, truly like love the way Logan is described. Mm. Like I love that he is this this man who is clearly comfortable in the skin that he is in. He it, it kind of like you know we've been hearing all these rumors throughout the book of like Logan and and what's going on and he's this false dragon and I said I had to take him down. But I love that Rand sees him and he's like it's almost like there was no cage. He had such a bearing yeah. about him and and this like expectation of being regal it was just I just thought it was like a really cool sort of thing and so the effect he has on the crowd and and kind of ending it with you know sweeps of silence and anger and Loghain laughing is this like really really great scene that you're that just leaves you so unsettled yeah no absolutely absolutely Ugh, and then he falls into, so he's climbed a wall. He's been chased by, like, a, a scary beggar who's, like, smelly and, you know, weird. And, like, it's a very Gollum moment, right? Um, and then and then he, he's trying to get away from the beggar, but he still also wants to see Loghain. And so he, climb, he, like, ends up at this wall. He doesn't know where he is. He's lost. He, he, like, finds a wall. He's like, I'll just climb the wall, and then I'll be able to see him. And, like, sure enough, he climbs the wall, and he can see... And then he, like, gets startled and falls off the wall and falls into the palace garden. The moment of understanding when he's like, wait, who's your mom? (laughs) Because who, like, who startled him was Elaine, the daughter of the the queen. The daughter heir of Andor. (laughs) The the, the heir of Andor. Uh, He falls off, hits his head, and is bleeding, and she's like, let me, let me fix that. I love Elaine. I loved her in, in this entire chapter. I love, I love Gawain, Gawain, however, however we want to say it, because it's valid. Um, he has this like interaction with them, and you you kind of see Elaine is this uh, strong, like um, very like righteous. You know, she she has an expectation that she will be listened to. She has a deep belief mm-hmm. in what her perspective is, uh, person, and and She's Gawain also very practical, very practical, and and then her brother Gowan who is you know a little more cautious but a little wry like I like him a lot again like this is one chapter and like so much freaking happens in it like they have this conversation Rand is like what the fuck is going on how (laughs) I just want to get back over I was supposed to be unnoticed and now I'm in the garden with the princess what oh no and of course like uh Galad like calls the guard because He's a dick. <laughs> and they are sent to the queen's, basically to be seen by the queen. Yeah. And it's such a wonderfully anxiety-inducing moment because <laughs> you have this Aes Sedai who does a foretelling and is like, this man is at the center of all this shit. <laughs> and Rand's and like, like, I'm not, I'm a shepherd. 
and Elaine is like, he's a loyal Andorian citizen. Like, what? You want me to interact with the people? And Morgays is like, um, they haven't paid taxes in like three hundred years. Like, they're not like. You want to try harder with your excuses, honey. Like, you're going to have to work harder than that to pull one over on me. Um, but then you really get a sense for what kind of queen she is. Yes. Because, you know, yeah, like her Aes Sedai advisor is, like, prophesying in front of her about this random person she doesn't know who's, like, turned up in the gardens and potentially put her children in danger and she's like, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to let him go because he has not actually done mm-hmm. anything wrong. And it's such an interesting contrast between her, like, version of the right thing and then, like, Galad's version of the right thing. Because, you know, I think Gowan says, like, Galad always does the right thing. Yes. Even when he shouldn't. Yes. Right? He's, like, the definition of lawful good. Like, he is 100% by the book every time. Doesn't know exceptions. No anything and like Morgay is also very um you know she's she's like got like you were saying about Elaine like she's got very specific feelings about what's right and what's wrong but she is clearly much more of the like spirit of the law Mm -hmm. which is so like you've heard a lot about this queen from like random farmers with carts and like you know, the different political tensions and from the innkeeper and like people have all these opinions about her and now we've met her and you can see just how good of a queen Mm -hmm. she is, which is so important because it sets up so much stuff later on. There's, she, yes, I agree. And I appreciate that you see not only her dealing with what Aleda told her, but also the captain of her guard, Gareth yeah, Brine. Yeah, Gareth Brine. So Gareth Brine is also, who I liked in this scene a lot too, because he's like, listen, I don't think, I think it's happenstance. Like, I don't yeah. think this kid was doing anything wrong. I think it's interesting that he clearly is supposed to have this sword. I, right. I think there are a lot of, like, interesting things. That said, we could lock him up and then it won't be a problem. Right. We could like, just, just uh, put him in chains for, for a little while, you know? A couple days. NBD. And, and Morgay's, to her credit, is like, no, 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 no. Okay. We're not going to do that either. Right. We're going to let him go. And, and you know, they they do the same thing where they mistake him for an aisle, uh, mm-hmm. an aisleman, and... and Rand is like, why? I am from two rivers. I do really love Morgay's being like, this lie would be so, it's so absurd, everything yeah. you're telling me. Like, it has to be true. Right. Like, it has to be true. Nobody would lie about this. This, is, this would be a very, very stupid lie. And so <laughs> it's probably true. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so the chapter ends with Rand getting, you know, pushed out of the palace after Elaine calls him handsome. Yeah, oh. <laughs> And he kind of reiterates and 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 uh, that he is a shepherd and he's from two rivers and that Tam Althor is his father because those are the three things that consistently over the last like 600 pages that people have pushed up against because of how he looks or how he stands or how he acts or the fact that he's special and just this intense reluctance yeah. to be the thing, which is what this book is kind of about. And and yeah, that's kind of where, that's where it ends. Yeah. <sighs> So much, so much happens. Oh, and he's afraid about Aleda like following him. Yes, I mean he is. He's now he's not. Now he's not just on the run from white cloaks and dark friends. Now he's like caught the attention of another Aes Sedai, and he is. It's like you were saying earlier. He's starting to distinguish 
between like not just lumping people into these mm-hmm. categories right like oh all I said I he's like finally learned enough to know that like Ugh, maybe Moiraine and Elaine are not the same thing like ugh, and he's contending this. with this I, I like he is holding out hope but he has his like one of his best friends being like everyone's dead everyone's yeah. dead you know yeah and you just have this kid who's by himself and just hoping against hope that he is going to be found by somebody because he did what else is he going to do right 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 I mean I guess they could play the flute and juggle all the way to Tarvalin, <laughs> but it's not going to be easy now now the fade knows about the flute oh uh, it's true you're right you're right they can't and use it anymore so fancy that's you're right they can't use the flute anymore oh yeah it's it's a real, it was a really good section. It was it really a really, was. really good section. Oh, I just, I loved everything about it. It's just so, yeah. everyone is a great, everyone like does a good job in the story. <laughs> <laughs> good job, everybody. I do think even, it's funny because we talked about the exposition a couple of times. Even the info dumps, like if you're going to have to info dump, he does it pretty well. Yeah, like, agreed. Like it's yeah. not overwhelming it's not an overwhelming amount of information it's like yeah it's it's like a video game right it's like the right. owl kind of flying down it's in like zelda being thing. like here's what you need to know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then these two idiots didn't read it and they just kept <laughs> button mashing their way through the explanation <laughs> would you like to ask these townspeople a question nope, nope. okay <laughs> Um, all right. So I guess if that's, do you have anything else to add? No, that's, that's what I got. Uh, all right. Well, so keep a, keep an eye out for future episodes. I was like, where are we in this script? <laughs> keep an eye out for future episodes on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. Next time we are going to be talking about chapters 41 to the end of the eye of the world. Oh my God. I'm a little irritated that we weren't able to fit it all into this year. Like the next <laughs> chapter, the next one's going to be like, we're going to kick off next year with the last chapters of the eye of the world but that's just because i i order yeah <laughs> like that's, that's it, that's how it goes. <laughs> uh and you can you know we don't like we said we're we, we're not starting other social media accounts because we don't want to i think the best place to find us is our patreon actually patreon.com slash Tar Valen or Bust or if you're searching on Twitter or Tumblr it's hashtag Tar Valen or Bust and you'll find posts from both Jen and I. Indeed uh, and speaking of Patreon we want to shout out our amazing supporters y'all are so encouraging and lovely and we appreciate you so much so shout outs to Joshua S, Caitlin P, Nicholas E, Michelle S and Michelle D, Danae, Destination Toast, Kat, Jericho, Saber Bouquet, Thomas, Elizabeth, Emily, Evans, Ola, Yulia, Matthew, and Brian. And speaking of Brian, a big, huge thank you to Brian Dunn, our fellow Wheel of Time fan and musician who created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast. You can find more of his work at briandunnmusic.net. That's B-R-Y-A-N-D-U-N-N music.net. And if you are enjoying the show, if you are so inclined, you could leave a review or a rating on the podcast platform of your choice, and it would help other Wheel of Time fans to find the show. So we super appreciate that. 
Uh, let's see. We already said the Patreon, but I'll say it again. It's patreon.com slash Tarvalon or bust. The le- it's like a dollar a month is our is our available <laughs> levels at the moment. Um, we're really just trying to cover server costs, which we've done. So, so thank, thank you. you. Which, we've made it happen. <laughs> if if it does come in more, we'll we'll think of fun things to do. Like we're we're thinking about adding and doing special mini episodes. I, I yeah. saw Jen that on Instagram you posted about Kushiel's Dart, which I just oh, yeah. reread. And so maybe <laughs> we'll see what happens we'll see what happens uh and in the meantime you can find us on our social media accounts pretty where are you i am at run with skizzers that's k-i-z-z-e-r-s on twitter and tumblr and instagram um or you can find me on my other podcast they see geek girls especially if you like star wars have you launched your Spider-Man podcast yet? Also? We did launch it, but Alex and I have been very, but we're both super busy and it's hard yeah. for us to, we have rescheduled our last episode I, recording like five times, I think. <laughs> like we we were going to, we're going to do the Brian Michael Bendis Spider-Man series oh. uh, and I read it and we just, neither one of us, it's so hard. It's hard. You, it's you hard. and I are very good about this podcast because we have a set date and time that we record. Yeah. And so we know to do that. Alex and I are more like, hey, it's 10 p.m. on a Friday. Can you record? <laughs> so, no, you can no. Re- you can listen to the uh, Spectacular Spider cast, what episodes exist, but we have not had a new one in like four months. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> All right, well, you can find me on social media, uh, mostly on Instagram at I am Jen IRL. That's I-A-M-J-E-N-N-I-R-L. I am getting back on Tumblr, and I'm over there as Jen IRL. Uh, and I am on two podcasts for Book Riot. The first is SFF Yeah, which is about all things science fiction and fantasy. And the other is Get Booked, which is a write-in recommendations show. And that's our story. Yeah, and until next time, justice for Matt Calthan, who is a great character and who I love very much. (laughs) Slash garbage baby. (laughs) 